So our scripture reading is found in uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 44. And so Luke writes, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any, who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him, and he would have kept, and they would have kept him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So last week we dealt with the issue of authority and of power. And we talked about how Jesus' authority was recognized in his teaching um, that that it was uh, that he taught in an anointed and authoritative kind of way, and then we also saw, <coughs> excuse me, uh, then we also saw his power was also seen as he cast out demonic forces that were torment, tormenting this man in Capernaum, uh, showing that he had power over something that humanity is usually powerless against. Now, if you think about it, power and authority are, are critical questions to address when we start a new endeavor. If we are starting a new business or a club or a church or, or even a nation, the question of power and authority would definitely be an issue that we, want, we would want to address early on. We come to another critical issue at the beginning of something um, this week, and that is the question of purpose or, or the question of mission. The, the, we ask the question, why? Um, why is Jesus here? Why is he doing the things that he, he does? And it's a critical question to ask. Um, it's critical to ask what the main thing is, what the primary task to which something is aimed is. And so again, we ask the question, does Jesus do what, why does Jesus do what he does? What's the purpose? What's the mission? That's the main question that I want to address uh, in this message. But along the way, I want to also see sort of the purpose of, of miracles and how they connect, how miracles connect to Jesus' larger mission and purpose. Because obviously, uh, miracles play an important part in the story of Jesus. We are going to see more and more miracles each week. And so that's something that we want to to get a handle on um, as we as we begin to move forward. So um First off, let's kind of intro this whole thing um, with with looking at the ideas of, of demon possession and of sickness, starting there in verse 38. So again, it says that he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, 
crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Like we said, so Jesus' power and authority were displayed in his ability to cast out demons. But as we progress through the gospel story, we see that Jesus uh, has power and authority over other things as well, namely sickness. Okay, And so in this passage, we have two separate references to Jesus having power to heal people from sickness. First, uh, with with Peter's mother-in-law, and then with the crowds in Capernaum. Then the passage also reemphasizes the fact that Jesus has power over the demonic and tells us uh, that demons came out of many. Okay, and so one thing, again, as we're introing this and kind of getting into this, two things I want you to notice is is the first is that some level of demonic activity or possession or whatever you want to call it seems to be kind of common in the town of Capernaum, right? Uh, the, the passage says that Jesus cast demons out of many, and so this sort of supports what we talked about last week, the idea that Jesus coming into the world has uh, decisively, there it is, weakens and disarms Satan's power in the world. Um, So so someone might read this passage or or any of the Gospels, really, and and say something like, it seems like demon possession was a much more common thing in the New Testament times than it is now. And I think the answer is, it was. Um, in the age of the gospel, however, the, the, the demonic powers of Satan have been lessened in various ways, okay? And so I think we notice that in this passage. But also, a uh, second thing to notice as we, as we start out is, is that even in this text, there is distinction made between demonic possession and illness. So oftentimes, a secular commentator might look at a, a passage like this and say, well, you know, anytime you see a story about demonic possession in the Bible, uh, those are just, you know, superstitious, primitive people who thought that anytime you had an illness, it was caused by the demonic. Except the thing is that they didn't. Um, and we see that in this passage, right? They recognize that not all illness is demonic or even, and even when um, the demonic manifests itself in a similar way to illness. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's caused by the demonic. So, for example, in this passage, Peter's mother-in-law, there's no indication that she is demon-possessed. She was just sick, right? And the Bible, the biblical writers know the difference between those things. They don't see all sickness as a function of, of, of demonic activity or something, okay? So those are freebies, right? There's there's no extra charge to those two points. But but as we get into the the, the passage... Um, we start reading about Jesus performing these miracles, and it, and it should raise some questions to us, right? Um, one, uh, to the purpose of those miracles, and 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 two, to the occasions and and the reasons why Jesus performed certain miracles at certain times. And so, so the first thing is that idea of per, the purpose of the miracles. So, look at verse forty-two. Verse forty-two says, "And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place." And the people sought him and and came to him, and he would have kept them from leaving, and he and they would have kept him from leaving them. Okay? So so here's one thing. I think that in our in our heads, we overestimate the amount of of blatantly miraculous stuff that happens in the Old Testament. Okay, so what I mean by that is just in general, if I were to ask a, a person who'd read the Bible some, right, and said, does a lot of miraculous stuff happen in the Old Testament? They would say, yeah, uh, of course it does, right? 
But really, when you look into it, um, in, in some ways, the, 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 the miraculous activity is very limited in some ways, at least in terms of a specific person um, whom God is performing miracles through. All right. There's really only two eras or or time periods when there is significant miraculous activity. Okay, Um, and those are represented by these these two or three agents of God. The first one being Moses. Right. And so during Moses time, he performs a number of miracles, mainly maybe you might categorize them as nature miracles. Right. Things that affect um, natural forces or, or things that happen in nature. And then the second era is the Elijah Elisha era, right? And, and they also are performing a number of miracles, probably again, not exclusively, but probably more, um, focused on healing type miracles, right? And so on one side, it's interesting that those are the two people who we see the miracles through the most in the Old Testament. And it's no wonder then when we come to the story of the transfiguration in Luke chapter nine, that those are the two figures, Moses and Elijah. Uh, that show up on the mountain, right? Because for, among other reasons, their miraculous activity is a symbol and a foreshadowing of Jesus' miraculous activity. So, uh, but again, miracles aren't that common in the biblical timeline, um, right? Um, They are highlighted certainly in the biblical story, but it's not as if miracles were just happening all the time. If you look at the 2,000-year history between Abraham and Jesus, that miracles are pretty few and far between. Um, and so it's important for us to understand why there is this explosion of miracles on the part of Jesus um, and the reason for it, right? And we could elaborate it probably on in, in a variety of ways, but I want to zoom in on two particular reasons. And so one is one we've already talked about in previous weeks, that, that Jesus' performing of miracles displays his authority. So, the miracles were signs that accompanied his teaching so as to prove his authenticity, right? So, so if Jesus can do these amazing things, that, that power and authority, well, it, it must come from God, right? Um, and so it proves who he says he is, right? So for example, if you come to me and say, Oh, Ash, uh, you know, I'm Superman. I have, I have Superman's powers. I'm probably going to think that you're nuts. Um, but if you jump a tall building in a single bound, well, then I'm going to take you a little more seriously with that claim. Um, so, so we recognize that that's part of it. But if, so if Jesus is, is just about, and, the, and this is the question that maybe pops into our head. If Jesus is, is displaying his power to legitimize his authority, um, um, or demonstrate his authority, right? So, if, if it's a demonstration of his power and authority, then why doesn't Jesus do more miracles? Why doesn't Jesus do all the miracles, right, all the time? Because he doesn't, right? There are lots of moments in Scripture where Jesus could have done something miraculous and seems like, and it even seems like in certain situations that it might have cleared things up, right? So a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Jesus being rejected at Nazareth, uh, he had if he had done something supernatural in that situation, uh, the people might have believed in him, right? But he didn't. So, so why is it that Jesus doesn't perform more miracles or all the miracles or however you want to say it? Well, because for one, and, and again, we could talk about it from different angles, I think, but, but one reason is they're not just displays of his power, but they are also meant to demonstrate his message. Okay. Um, 
so, so what I mean by that is oftentimes, right, uh, or, or what we see in Jesus' miracles is that Jesus' miracles aren't just what we might say random acts of kindness, right? Like Jesus is not just walking down the street being like, you know, boom, you're healed from leprosy and boom, you're raised from the dead and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. That's not um, what how Jesus does his miracles, right? More typically in scripture, the miracle itself symbolizes and, and drives home the deeper meaning of, of the teaching that he is, that he is sharing with people, right? So we're going to see that especially, uh, uh, at the point, uh, next week when, when Jesus calls his first disciples, right? Um, and, 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 and more broadly, I want you to pay attention to that as we continue to work through the gospel of Luke, right? Because we're going to revisit it over and over about how um, Jesus miracles serve that specific function. And so, so yes, Jesus heals in general because he is gracious and kind and meeting needs, right? Certainly that's the case. And also he heals so that people are amazed by what he's doing and persuaded that he is the Holy one sent from God, right? But also we should notice that those miracles are specifically object lessons for his teaching and preaching because he, he is preaching the good news and, and that's why he came, right? Um, and, and, and that, that leads us to this idea of asking, well, the, what is the purpose of Jesus coming? Like, what is he here specifically to do? Is he here to perform miracles? But that's not what we see in the text. Look at verse 43. So it says, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea, right? So I'll, I'll say it kind of blatantly, um, hyperbolically, and um, uh, and then I'll ex, uh, kind of explain what I mean, okay? And the statement would be this. Jesus didn't come to do miracles, okay? He came to preach the good news. So again, verse 42, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. Okay. Notice this, man. People always want more miracles, right? They want more healings. They want more feedings. Uh, they want help from their daily difficulties, right? And on one side, we can't blame them because we want those things too. So for example, man, I have a bad left shoulder and have a bad left foot. And I also have this sort of recurring back issue. And there's sometimes that I think to myself, Jesus, why don't you just heal that thing, right? Uh, maybe you have something similar to that. Uh, poor eyesight, recurring illness. Uh, maybe you have a chronic illness. Maybe you even have something more serious, a, a life-threatening condition or something. Why doesn't Jesus just heal me, right? Why does he just take away all my problems? Because hear me, he can, right? I'm not claiming that Jesus can't do these miracles, nor am I claiming that he doesn't do miracles. He can, and he does. But why not more? Why not all? Especially in the context of his earthly ministry. So, obviously, there's probably a number of ways uh, that we can answer that question. Uh, but, but here's at least one, and I think we see it in this passage. Jesus didn't come to solve all your problems. Right, your health, your finances, your relationships. Jesus didn't come to fix everything in the here and now. And so we see that, right? We see that Jesus, there's some people he doesn't heal, even though there's people who are around him who need healing. 
Some people, maybe he heals, but they continue with financial difficulties. Some people maybe have financial circumstances helped in their lives, um, but their relationships need mending still. Um, maybe those people who got their relationships fixed still had health problems, right? But the, the point is, is that if you thought that everything in your life would get easier or that when, when you came to Christ that Jesus would, would fix everything in your life, you should have read the story a little bit closer, right? Because that's not even what he did when he was here among us on earth. So, so here's the thing. Have you ever noticed how Jesus often heals people and then he tells them not to tell anyone, right? Why does he do that? Well, some people talk about the idea of, of some scholars talk about the idea of the messianic secret. The idea that, that Jesus was trying to keep the, the messianic fervor and excitement of the people from getting out of control and sort of forcing his, his role and his position in, in his timeline towards the cross or something like that, right? And that, that's probably part of the reason, but I want to suggest to you something else. Also, I think, it's it's because he doesn't want people to know when he performs a miracle because as people learn that he heals people or performs these miracles they want to get in on the action right there's no end to to our wants and our needs right what does it what does it say it says the people sought him when jesus tried to get away after this this evening of performing miracles man the people seek him out they go out of the wilderness after him um they came to him and they would have kept him from leaving that is to say, you know, man, we should just keep Jesus busy all day long with our issues. He should just stay here in our town and live with us so that, that I could just show up any day and get him to fix all my problems. But here's the deal. If he were to do that, it would hinder him from doing the thing that is the more critical, the thing that is actually the purpose of why he came. And why is it? That he came, it says it right there in the text. I must preach the good news of the kingdom to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus came to preach the kingdom. Ultimately, he came to accomplish the kingdom, right? But he came to preach the good news of the kingdom. And so, yes, the healings and the miracles are good gifts, but they are not the point. Okay, uh, they they point to something else. They point to the point. They point to the gospel, the good news. The miracles demonstrate his authority and, and they give object lessons about the gospel and the teaching of the kingdom that Jesus has, has brought to these people. Right. And so you might say, well, Ash, are you saying that Jesus doesn't care about those those things, health and, and, and illness and different things like that? No. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, right? Jesus cares deeply for you and for the issues of his life, right? And in fact, it's his compassion and his care that cause him to perform so many of the miracles in the first place, right? You see that in the stories. We're going to see it in a passage um, in a couple of weeks, I think, that demonstrates Jesus' deep concern for you, right? When he when he is uh, when he was asked by uh, the leper to be healed. Um, and so I encourage you to bring all your cares and your concerns to God, right? No matter the circumstances, no matter how even trivial they are, because he is powerful and he is gracious and kind and he gives good gifts to his children, right? And who knows what he might do in your life, what miracle he might bring into your life. 
But we also have to realize that is not the main reason that he came. He did not come to fix your daily difficulties necessarily. Jesus has come to preach the gospel of the kingdom that is the salvation of sinners through Christ. And so I I think there's a great story that we see later on in the gospel of John that is a, that is a, a, a perfect picture of the stuff that we're talking about here. It's a story that John recounts in chapter six um, of the, of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay. And it's a great example of the points that we're talking about here. So, so if you remember the story, the people have followed Jesus into the wilderness uh, because again, because he's healing people. And so they just follow him out there because they want to have more healings and stuff. And they get out there and there's no food. They have not brought food with them. And so Jesus miraculously turns these five loaves and these two fish into an abundance of food that feeds the multitudes, right? The, at least 5,000 probably men, maybe as many as 10 or 12,000 people all together. Well, that night, after Jesus has had this busy day of, of healing and, and, and people following him and all this stuff like that, Jesus essentially sneaks out of town. Um, and he goes to the other side of the lake. Um, and when the people wake up the next morning, they realize that Jesus isn't there. And you know what they do? They hear that he has gone to the other side of the lake, so they follow him there too. But when they get there, Jesus actually chastises them. And he says, the reason you follow me is because you're getting your bellies filled, right? He says, the reason you're following me is not because you you, you want to hear my teaching or or you want to be with me. It's because I'm doing these things for you. And then he teaches them this. He says this. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And then he goes on, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall know, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So, right, the, the people want a handout, but Jesus says, I'm not here to fill your bellies. Even the miracle that he performed, the provision of the bread, right, is pointing to something greater. It's pointing to the reality that he is the bread of life, right? He is their provision. He is their sustenance. The greatest miracle that has come to us is the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, um, that he is here, right? Um, not just what he can do for us, but he himself is our greatest um, miracle and the thing that we should seek after. And that the kingdom of, of grace and holiness um, that comes with him, um, that he brings into our lives. That is the greatest miracle. That is what we should be seeking after. That's why he's come. That's why he's here. That's his mission. That's his purpose. And so I, I, in closing, I, we would have to ask this question. Do, do we want Jesus on his own terms? Do we want Jesus for who he is and not just for what we get out of him. Because that's why Jesus has come. He has come to give us himself and to preach the good news of the kingdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.